I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here as always with Drew Dinsick. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays to you too, Drew. Uh, we've got a loaded show today. Producer Dan has really opened the shoulders up uh, with the rundown here. So we'll get into our MVP, Coach of the Year awards chat. We'll talk Lions, Cowboys, Saints, Bucks, and Dolphins, Ravens. But Drew, let's start with weekend generally what was your uh, your biggest takeaway yeah a lot to unpack jay you got a couple hours <laughs> <laughs> all right where do we start uh we're back to square one we don't know who's gonna win anything everyone's still alive like uh, like honestly the big takeaway was if you thought that you were very sure the san francisco 49ers were the best team in football number one power rate team with a bullet well throw it out the window not only did they lose in inspiring fashion last night but uh it was a couple of important injuries on top of everything else. So, um, you know, really tough now not to look at the entire field of potential candidates for a Super Bowl and think could be any one of these guys. Uh, if you are, if you have your nose in the mix, if you are in the final seven teams in your conference, you have a chance to win a Super Bowl this year. There are no juggernauts. There are no powerhouses. There is no team that is unbeatable. Uh, and uh, obviously the most kind of compelling market to watch to see all this play out was the MVP market where you had a minus 200 favorite heading into the weekend now at 12 to one. Uh, and uh, I mean, Obviously, would have liked to see Brock Purdy get that across the finish line. But at the same time, like if you haven't been listening to us and talking about like the one like, you know, the one kind of spooky scenario was Lamar beating him head to head in a game where Purdy didn't play well uh, and potentially stealing it like, well, that has now happened. And uh, I guess I just assume that Tua is probably going to beat Lamar now and they're just going to give it to Joe Flacco. Well, all right, let's start there with MVP. So Lamar is minus 160. CMC is plus 400. I don't agree with that. Tour is plus 900. Don't agree with that. Purdy's 12 to 1. I think that's too short as well. And then Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, and Tyreek Hill. And I think there ends your list of realistic candidates. Mahomes is done. Hertz is done. Um, No one else is winning this award. Um, The experience of watching that Niners-Ravens game, so... Uh, Purdy was my biggest position in the MVP market. Lamar was second. Uh, I have no CMC whatsoever. And so going into that game, got my Niners hat on, feeling good. Steam market steaming Niners really hard. Gets up to uh, minus six and a half, like plus 270 Ravens money line. And then as soon as it starts all going south, and not just going south, but for the Niners, we're going south in the worst possible way for Brock Purdy. That is literally a uh, zero percentile game for his MVP case because not only is he throwing four picks, but McCaffrey's playing really well. 
And so at halftime, like, all right, Purdy's done. This is this is this it's is over. basically a wrap, particularly after you threw the fourth pick. And so after really cheering the Niners in the first half, second half, like, let's go say flowers. <laughs> let's go say likely. Let's get this, let's get the Sun Lamar, let's get the W, shove it to Shanahan. Uh, but yeah, just complete chaos. And I can't remember a single game so late in the season flipping an MVP race on its head like that. But my breakdown of this now is I think that if Lamar beats Miami, that that is close to a wrap. Um, and so I think it makes sense that his MVP price in the market is effectively the Baltimore's money line price against Miami. But if he loses that game, then we're right back into a chaos pool. And the reason I think it's a chaos pool is that Lamar doesn't really have a case. Like, it's all smoke and mirrors and vibes. Like, if you look at his numbers, he's got, like, the eighth best case. I think he's eighth in QBR, eighth in passer rating. He's, like, 12th, 13th in EPA per play. He is the favorite for the award because he's had this momentous win and they're the best team by record. And he's Lamar Jackson and there's this idea that he goes beyond the stats and the stats can't quantify it. But... If he loses to Miami, if he loses to Tua Tagovailoa in Baltimore to lose his grip on the one seed, then I don't think that rules him out completely, but he's certainly a massive dog, I think, to an MVP because then he falls back into being the guy who's got the eighth or the ninth best numbers. And I got my own thoughts about who can emerge from that chaos pool, but who who do you think is in line to really capitalize if Lamar loses to Miami? Yeah, it's Josh Allen for sure. Agreed. Uh, so I think the reason it's Josh Allen, uh, I assume we feel the same way, is that statistically he has now, if we just disqualify Purdy, and I think we have to because I think if Purdy had thrown one touchdown, two picks in that game and lost, then there was a chance that it could default back to him. But you can't sure. do that on national TV in that spot and throw four interceptions yeah. and get completely outplayed. So I think Purdy's just dust. I think there's no way now that he can win. So if we remove Purdy from the market, then Allen has the best statistical case. He leads now, I believe he leads now in total EPA. He's third uh, in EPA per play. He's effectively tied for first in QBR. He has 40 total touchdowns. Lamar Jackson has 24. I get it that he has. Everyone will bring up, where's your 15 interceptions? And they've got six losses. That's fine. I get that. But we're projecting a world where Lamar Jackson loses to Miami and now every candidate is imperfect. And I think Allen's imperfections are the least imperfect. And I think he would have the best case if he beats New England and Miami back to back to close on a five game winning streak and have the best statistical case. Um, Is that basically what you're thinking as well? Do you have any other angle on Allen? No, you couldn't have said said it more succinctly. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> That's exactly my thoughts. Um, Alan can steal because, and like really like this entire exercise, there are two truths. One, there's not really a deserving candidate this year because everybody's flawed. And because of that, it is kind of turned into an anchoring exercise where one bad performance by Brock Purdy was enough to kind of confirm everyone. Oh yeah, he does stink. I knew he stunk. I didn't, I never believed in him, right? Like it was the grave dancing going on while the game was going on was just objectively gross. Like he's still a perfectly capable quarterback. Although I want to kind of pivot and come back to Brock Purdy before we completely on un, you know finish unpacking week sixteen. But the uh, fact that Lamar has already won an MVP is considered a top five quarterback. He's anchored in place. That is doing a lot for his candidacy right now beyond just the big wins, right? 
Uh, and Josh Allen is the same story. He was a co-favorite to start the season. Everybody accepted it, expected it, and it would not be a surprise. So they are perfectly fine defaulting to it. Uh, and oh, by the way, it's a fun story. Like people were burying this guy when they were six and six and they assumed that the Buffalo Bills were dead. Well, now the Buffalo Bills are very clearly in position to go to the playoffs. And so it's a fun story to write. Like, wow, the Buffalo Bills, they really turned it around. You know who has had very little to do with the turnaround? Josh Allen. Like, honestly, the Buffalo Bills are winning ball football games because their defense is playing substantially better than they were playing uh, a handful of weeks ago. So it is, it is like, this is like break your brain stuff here. Um, but uh, it is pretty clear that uh, Josh Allen with, the, the prices are straightforward. Lamar beats the Dolphins, he wins. Lamar loses to the Dolphins, and then Josh Allen beats the Dolphins, Josh Allen wins. Now, if the Dolphins win the next two games, now we're in true chaos land. Like, yeah. so, are people doing crazy stuff, voting for CMC or Tyreek or like, uh, you know, some, even, you know, Dak is a candidate again because he happens to beat, you know, hang 40 points on the Lions who have already clinched their playoffs and aren't playing for much of anything. Like, like I, I, honestly, that scenario is probably the hardest to handicap and one that if you have serious skin in the game here, you need to make sure that you have a, a defense plan of how you're going to attack those games uh, because there's no way there's no way to get that equity into this MVP market, I don't think. And you're not going to know until we actually count the votes. I don't think so. Um, yeah. yeah. Where, 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 where is your head on that chaos scenario? Who wins? So, firstly, just quickly on Alan, there is an awkward, an awkward scheduling mechanic for him where someone has to win that Baltimore Miami game. And so, the thing is, there is that if Lamar wins, then MVP is likely over. But if Miami wins, then they clinch the division. So, I'm kind of operating from the assumption that the candidates will be so imperfect that. Allen could win MVP without winning the division and just getting to 11 and six, closing with the five game winning streak to your point, beating Kansas City, Dallas, Miami along the way, that that would be enough. But I'm not sure he's a lock in that situation. I do think he is clear favorite over the field, though. And I also think there's a non zero chance, though it is fairly small, that Lamar could beat Miami. Uh, but then Allen wins the division and gets the two seed the week after and just beats Lamar anyway because his numbers are so superior. I think Lamar's just going to win anyway if he beats Miami, but I do think that is a, a 10% chance that Allen could win in that scenario. And so uh, taking all of that into account, I make Allen plus 680 to win MVP um, the way I math it out. And obviously it's not perfect because it depends on the way he plays in these games, but that is what I make him as best I can. About the chaos scenario of Miami winning out, so I tried to handicap that um, earlier today. And so I think what we can say clearly is that if Miami went out, then Allen is dead. He has no case at all. Yeah. He, he cannot, cannot win. And so I would make the favorite in that scenario for MVP. I'd make the favorite Tyreek Hill. I would make the second favorite Dak Prescott. And then I would make the third favorite Christian McCaffrey and the fourth favorite Lamar Jackson. And that is just absolute mayhem. But... <laughs> and it's subjective, but I think that if Tyreek, if he is able to beat, he can be the quarterback MVP slayer because he can beat Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen in three consecutive weeks to lock up the one seed. I think also Tua is an outside chance to win MVP in that scenario, but it's just so difficult for Tua to win MVP in a way where he is compiling passing stats that don't go to Tyreek Hill, especially because Jalen Waddle's got a high ankle sprain now. So I think Tua is not putting a line through him, um, whereas I effectively was doing that a couple of weeks ago. But now with this 
Chaos and Purdy done. I think Tua is a little bit live, but I think that I think Tyreek has like 85% of Miami's MVP equity and it's 15% okay. of Tua. So I think that Tyreek, in short, I think the two bets in this market right now are Josh Allen 13 to 1 and Tyreek Hill uh, 22 to 1. Uh, and those are the guys I'd go to war with. And if Lamar Jackson wins as a three and a half point favorite at home, then you pack up your bags and uh, and say job job well done as best you could. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with all this. Um, so then, rapid fire thoughts: You still think Tyreek should be favored for OPOI? No, because McCaffrey. Oh. I think uh, I think McCaffrey has enough momentum, and I think the other issue there is that McCaffrey's going to have two games where he's. I mean, he's a thirteen and a half point favorite against the Commanders. He's going to be a substantial favorite against the Rams. And if Tyreek loses to Baltimore, and again, he's the yeah, three-and-a-half-point okay. dog. So I I don't think that race is done by any means, but now I've flipped where I think McCaffrey is the favorite. Okay, DPOI, still Miles Garrett to lose? Still Miles Garrett. I think he should be okay. minus 200. Coach of the year, Dan Campbell is going to be tough to beat now that people have kind of he, – he can't, he can't fumble the bag on the NFC North now. He's going to be tough to beat? No, I think it's the fancy favorite there. I think that Ooh. there is enough – there is enough sentiment out there from voters who have put Stefanski first. And I think that the, the momentum that he's gathered and how the story, you never know which story is going to resonate. Stefanski's story is resonating. Like everyone is talking about Stefanski, how 10 and 5, four starting quarterbacks with a victory, two of them being PJ Walker and Dorian Thompson Robinson, Joe Flacco, uh, that story. Uh, the fact that he's down nine starters from week one, there's nine guys who are just done. And so the Browns think, are amazing. They're still very, very, very good. Yeah. So I think, look, that is a difficult one to handicap with certainty. But the other thing, too, there is that Stefanski is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite this week, and Dan Campbell's a six-point dog. And if those results go as planned, which is, you know, shorter than pick, that that parlay gets up of, of Dallas uh, into Cleveland, then they've got the same record at 11-5. and five, And I just can't imagine anyone is going to be able to stomach voting Dan Campbell, who won nine games last year and was the favorite to win his division, over Stefanski when they have the same record and everything that Stefanski has gone through. And I think even if they both win this week, I still think Stefanski wins, so it's close. But I think that if results go as planned, then I think I think Stefanski locks it up this week. Do you, okay. uh, do you disagree? I, I, I honestly can't tell. I, I really think there's a decent chance that people have kind of locked in Dan Campbell in their minds. They're just going to vote for him and they want to move on to the other awards and other things. Kind of like Tamar Hamlin. But although we do know now, we now know, who's going to get second place in the comeback player of the year market. It is Joe Flacco. And I just want like just a tiny slice of unpacking. Like a lot of people have done some impressive stuff in the NFL this season. It's it's a season long award. So you have to absolutely take into consideration the fact that Lamar has done it wire to wire, Josh Allen, potentially, you know, know, these guys playing through injuries, they're doing it every week. There is no more impressive thing than what Joe Flacco has done this year in my opinion, getting off of the couch and playing at this level. And in particular, the way he is beating teams in a way that no other quarterback right now is really capable of doing with the long ball, like the, like the numbers. And honestly, just even just watching it live, like, cause I was very invested in Cleveland doing well in that game. I watched every minute of it and I was like, how is this happening? Like the, it was a spectacle. And I don't know. I think Flacco looks live to do some damage in the playoffs to me, which is absolutely insane. But everybody else is so flawed in the AFC that uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm not, I, I guess, I guess I'm crazy enough to think I would go to war with Flacco on the road, catching points against, you know, an elite quarterback, which is like not something I ever would have even imagined, like saying out loud uh, when we were doing 
podcasts in the preseason or weeks one through 10. <laughs> so yeah. it's a crazy, it's a crazy, crazy outcome. Um, I mean, he had a PFF grade over 90 against Cleveland. Like he was out of his yeah. mind in that game. That was, there was some, I mean, he's, he's thrown, he threw bad picks, particularly in the first three games. I didn't think it was as bad against the Texans, the interceptions that he threw, but I mean, he was magnificent. And like the, their likely round one opponent will be Jacksonville. Um, I don't know about that, uh, Jay. We'll save that for later in the week, but uh, I think uh, Jacksonville's in deep trouble. Well, I, hope, um, I hope you're right. I'm very invested in the Colts and the Texans winning that division, so I hope you're right. Let's go to a division that is locked up. That's the NFC North, where the Detroit Lions play the Dallas Cowboys, Saturday night primetime, Cowboys minus six, total a uh, gargantuan 53 and a half. Uh, do you have any play on this game? Yeah, I think this is Cowboys or pass. Six, they're back home. This is a Cowboys team that had trouble getting much done on the road in their last two games, and it's a team that has always played better at home. They've been they they are bullies. They are able to score against the Lions. Like I'm, you know, count me not among the people who are buying the Lions' defensive resurgence this last couple of weeks. I think what we have over the season kind of is much more instructive uh, than the fact that they performed well last week against Nick Mullins. Uh, I think Cowboys in general are rostered well to absolutely shred this team. Uh, and I think the Cowboys, if they can generate a substantial lead, are going to run away with it. And uh, I think uh, total is probably a hair high for me, but I get it because the Cowboys could get to 50 themselves against this Lions defense, in my opinion. Cowboys offensive line should be getting healthier. Lions can't really generate much of a pass rush. And I think uh, Lions are largely getting it done on the ground. Uh, and most of the issues with the Cowboys defensively uh, at least don't play into sort of the strength of the Lions. So uh, as I look at this on paper, I'm kind of surprised that we're under a touchdown here for the Cowboys, and I would expect that uh, that gets kind of nudged into the seven ballpark, especially considering like, yeah, the Lions are playing for a one seed and a bye and blah, blah, blah. They need a lot of other stuff to happen for that to actually be realized. And the reality is they just clinched the division title for the first time since 1993. I'm sure that they're not going to have any motivational issues getting up for this game at the Cowboys. Uh, where That's sarcastic. I think they will. <laughs> I think the Cowboys, on the other hand, uh, this is like kind of the ideal get-right spot. So uh, this could be uh, another one. Yep. No, I'm with you. And I think that the Lions just have no prayer whatsoever of stopping the Cowboys um, in the dome or with the roof. And so on the other side, the Cowboys' defense hasn't been what it was, but there is enough – play to play upside between Parsons and their corners and their ability to just generate sacks and turnovers that I don't think the Lions will be able to keep up. Also, I don't know what is wrong with Jared Goff, and I understand like he was great <laughs> against Denver, but it seems like the ball isn't coming out of his hand right. It's dating back to Thanksgiving. He just throws yeah. these bizarre floaters all the time. Seen I just don't too. really understand what's happening there. Uh, I thought that, you know, the MVP race is so stupid because Dak Prescott, I, th I thought Dak was excellent against Miami. He was. And the way that he led them down the field at the end. I, that's one of the most impressive games I've seen from Dak Prescott. And so if, and the reason I say why the MVP race is stupid is that if uh, if Micah Parsons, <laughs> if, he, if Parsons strip sacks tour on the final drive, then Dak Prescott's his second favorite for MVP right now. Instead, he's like 22 to one and effectively drawing debt because his defense didn't get a stop. If Sean McDermott doesn't have 12 men on the field for the field goal against the Broncos or Gabe Davis runs the right route against Philly or Jake Elliott doesn't hit that 59-yarder, then Josh Allen's off the board. He's your MVP already. It's done. Um, but 
Um, so it goes. But I'm with you. I think the Cowboys are the play in this one. All right, before we get to Saints-Bucks this Sunday night, postseason position is on the line, Drew. Another chapter of an NFC North rivalry will be written. Watch as Jordan Love and the Packers travel to Minnesota for a battle with Justin Jefferson and the Vikings. Coverage starts at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. I will go to my grave, Drew, thinking that if the Vikings had just started Josh Dobbs these last two games, that uh, they would be very live to to not only make the playoffs, which they're still kind of live, but they're a dog, but also to win the division. I think it would have been right there for them because they would be, I think that would be a, a Dallas win over Detroit and then a Vikings win over Detroit away from uh, from winning the division. But alas, they went the road of Nick Mullins uh, and it hasn't gone great. All right, Bucks hosting the Saints. Bucks are three-point favorites. The total is 42 and a half, Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Do you think the Bucks wrap up the division here? Uh, I do. Uh, and honestly, um, uh, I may be prisoner of the moment. Uh, the Bucks were one of the handful of sides that I found uh, in the winter department last weekend. Uh, and I watched a lot of that game, came out thinking the Bucks are a problem for everyone in the NFC. Like we had kind of assumed that the NFC North or the NFC, the NFC South winner was going to be, you know, eight point dog pushover in the playoffs to the Cowboys. I don't know about that, man. They're healthy as they have been all season. The defense all of a sudden is at full strength. The offense and Baker Mayfield is playing with confidence. Their pass protection is excellent. Uh, and he has a healthy set of wide receiver receivers who are game breaking. Um, <clears throat> I can't find any flaws with this team right now. Like Baker Mayfield, could he turn back into a pumpkin? Yeah, obviously. Is he a little bit limited as a quarterback? Of course. Dave Canales has kind of figured him out in terms of how to use him to be his best. And I am enjoying every minute of it. I think the Buccaneers are going to uh, clinch the South this weekend, and I think deservedly so. Uh, and I think ultimately, uh, even though I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a Todd Bowles guy. I'm not like dying to go to war with him in the playoffs, certainly. Uh, but uh, this team, all of a sudden, being an afterthought and getting run out uh, in wild card round, I don't think is realistic anymore. I think they're going to be a tough out, and uh, they could even make it to the second round. Uh, they could even go further because, like, literally, there's nobody. Road Cowboys, you're going to go to war with them. Eagles in their current state, you're going to go to war with them. Brock Purdy, uh, there's not going to be any ghosts in prime time with Brock Purdy after what just happened. Uh, we'll you know get. We don't need to get into that now, but like save some thoughts for that. Uh, like what, what what do we expect? Like how do you now you know kind of bounce back from that? 
um, on, on top of the head injury stuff, which is concerning. Uh, so yeah, no, th there's there's definitely scope for surprise in the uh, in the NFC, and I circled and talked about the Rams forever ago. It feels like, and they're still a factor um, as a wild card team. Not loving the idea that they have to go on the road to do it, but uh, the Bucks getting a home game to start with, uh, and then potentially a, a path that would take them, you know, on the road. Uh, at San Francisco in the one four would be interesting, or in the two four if there's a shock in the uh, in the three six game. So, um, yeah, a lot of interesting potential uh, outcomes there, and I think the Bucks at uh, minus three is going to get bet. And uh, yeah, by the time we get to circles off, this being three and a half wouldn't shock me. Yep, no, we are aligned there. Just quickly on Purdy, he had and look, I really like PFF. I think it's an excellent resource. He had a sixty four point nine PFF grade against the Ravens and Dak Prescott against Miami had a 65.9. I, I just can't get there check at out. all. Uh, and Purdy, a lot of people are not giving him a pass. Everyone knows that he played badly last night, but there's something of a pass for the fact that, you know, three of the interceptions were fluke-ish. I thought he was horrific last night yeah. and I thought he was completely shook and he was rattled by that first pick that he threw um, to Kyle Hamilton, which I thought Aikman did a like a fantastic job on the broadcast of breaking that down about how if that was his, if Debo was his first read, it's a walk walk in touchdown because it was the third read. The route had traveled too close to Hamilton, and it was just a bad mistake from Purdy. But I mean, the screen pass on the left sideline that he slid into McCaffrey between like five guys, like what are you doing? Why are you throwing that ball? The he seemed flustered on the play that uh, went to Kittle that was tipped uh, and then caught uh, by Hamilton, I think, with the second one. He just did not seem like he was there at all for that yeah. game. He could have had – I mean, yes, he probably got unlucky with um, the Stevens tip to, um, to Marlon Humphrey for the pick and the last one he got hit. But, I mean, he could have had two others easily. So yeah. it wasn't uh, – it wasn't great. Yeah, look, I, I don't want to make too much of this because, like, recency biases – has taken down many a very good gambler, <laughs> right? Uh, we have a balance of, of Purdy's uh, performance at the NFL level, which tells you he is capable of doing exactly what needs to be done in the Shanahan system. Your read is completely fair. He was a train wreck last night, and, and it spiraled. It's exactly you called it right. The way the way uh, Aikman broke it down in the game, beyond just like the actual mistakes he was making, but the fact that he was like then tacking into it and pressing. Like, it was extremely apparent. And honestly, like, Shanahan lost confidence in him. Uh, and, you know, I think they kept him out for his own sake so he didn't have a six-pick game. There were a couple of dropped picks. Like, yeah, yeah the, the, some of the ones that were picked were fluky. There were some that weren't picked that should have been. <laughs> and so, like, that like that could have been, like, an all-time, like, like catastrophe, you know, catastrophic type of performance. And now it's in his head. And the back of his head, right? Like there's a loss. There's a there's a Niners loss last night that actually does them favors, right? You're 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 the best. You're perceived as the best team in the NFL. You get punched in the mouth. You fix your weaknesses late in the season, and you're even stronger in the playoffs. We saw that last year with the Philadelphia Eagles. They get punched in the mouth when Hurts is down, and they had Minshew in there, and they were better for it, right? This is not one of those losses. It was too bad. And it was too much of a you know potential mental baggage for Purdy, and uh, I don't know if like I hope he rallies, I hope he bounces. I'd like to see the Niners succeed this year because they're just an incredible watch from an entertainment standpoint with all those weapons and Shanahan. I would like to see Shanahan get a Super Bowl so people shut up about that. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, the um, 
the fact that he now has those potential for ghosts in the back of his head, if things start going wrong in a high leverage game like that, that's a problem. Um, the fact that it happened at home is a problem. The fact that it happened uh, in primetime on Christmas with him as a minus 200 favorite to win the MVP, like it was just a swirling, uh, swirling uh, miasma of uh, catastrophe that has the potential to linger. Uh, and hopefully it doesn't derail his career. Yeah. Well, firstly, great use of miasma. Um, secondly, uh, I think that the fact as well that they just got this random safety where Lamar Jackson tripped over the ref and then they got a 5 nothing head start at home when they're getting the ball to start the second half. Like the fact that they got blown out in that scenario and I understand that, you know, it was effectively a game based on turnovers and they were moving the ball um, with relative ease outside of the four interceptions that Purdy threw, but uh, that's a concern. Also, I think it's a concern how, like, this Ravens drop back offense isn't amazing. Like, it's great because Lamar is really good, but it's not like, it's not as good as Dallas's offense. Uh, and the fact that, the Ravens were able to move the ball at will in the second half. I think that's a red flag for San Francisco's defense. I don't know what's happening to Eric Armstead's health. That's a problem. So concerns about the Niners, but uh, but getting back to the Bucks and Saints, uh, not as many concerns, at least relative to where they want to go uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are suspect will win this one. You know, just lastly on this, as you mentioned before, a lot of buzz for Flacco to win comeback player of the year. Like, one, I think Hamlin is just going to walk it in regardless. Um, but I think Baker Mayfield has a better case. Because he's actually got a real – Flacco dismissed his own case himself. He's like, what am I coming back from? I was sitting on the couch bussing my kids around. Baker actually has an arc of, you know, he had an established level of play as the number one pick and then, um, and then it all went south and now he's back leading his team to the playoffs. And I don't think that beats a guy coming back from the dead. Um, but – it's funny because so many people are, are against Hamlin in this market because no one wants to bet on the guy who's minus 400 to win an award and tie up their money for two months. So everyone's just concocting ideas about who else is going to win the award. But the problem is, is that you got to choose one horse. Like you got to choose one. And Flacco and Maker are going to cannibalize each other. That's true. Hamlin's only going to need like 20 votes out of 50 to win the award. Now, whereas if there was just one horse between Flacco and Baker, then maybe the bar is raised and he actually needs to get the majority of the votes as opposed to uh, a lesser majority that can still win. But uh, yeah, people got to choose who they would want to win and they got to campaign behind it. And I think the guy would be uh, Baker has the better story. Well, I think Baker is the better candidate, but Flacco is such a ridiculous yeah. story that he's the one who was shorter in the market. Uh, hey, so. Uh- Three weeks ago, I agree with all that. That was a very, very valuable breakdown, actually. Yeah, Re-listen to that if you didn't already understand that. Um, three weeks ago, Tampa hosting the Dallas, the wild card round would have been Dallas minus seven and a half, eight. Um, sure. sure. What, is, what is it now? Uh, it's probably, I mean, what are you saying? Dallas are about six points better than your average team, and Tampa is maybe... I mean, at this point, are they an average team? And it's four and a, a half? A little bit better. A little bit better. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think it's still four, five. I still think Dallas would be pretty comfortably favored. Oh. But it's, no, it's certainly not over a touchdown, I think. Um, okay. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a proper game. And, yeah. uh, and Dak will have to – he took down the first GOAT uh, in Tampa last year. <laughs> now he's taken the second GOAT. In, uh, in Baker Mayfield. All right. 
before we get to Dolphins, Ravens. We're in the heart of bowl season, Drew. So to help you with your handicap, Vaughn Dalzell, Brad Thomas, and Eric Froton are adding an extra Q&A on our NBC Sports YouTube channel. So join the guys on Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern as they break down Arizona, Oklahoma, and the Alamo Bowl and the other seven matchups on Wednesday and Thursday this week. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Dolphins, Ravens. This is the big one. Uh, ostensibly, I think MVP gets potentially gets decided in this game. AFC one seed potentially gets decided in this game. So do both of those divisions potentially. Uh, it's Ravens minus four. The opener was minus three. Uh, and then following last night, got bet up to four pretty quickly. Still hanging around three and a half some spots. Total is 47. Uh, do you agree with this line? I'm sure. I, was, I think this should be three. Um, but I'm more convicted in the total being too high. Um, yep. The Ravens, maybe without Kyle Hamilton, that might ultimately flip me back to just betting the Dolphins and not messing with the total because Kyle Hamilton is very important. Um, there are certainly aspects of the Ravens defense that I think can be exposed by the Dolphins. Uh, we saw it last year, Dolphins absolutely speed can kill these guys. Um, McDaniel can only do so much. McDonald, excuse me, can only do so much with scheme to stop McDaniel. Um, maybe the mat- best matchup we've, I mean, this is the best matchup of the week, obviously, is McDaniel v. Uh, McDonald, considering McDonald just game plan for Shanahan. So um, really kind of interesting to see what they do. Um, the absence of Jalen Waddle matters, the uh, health of the Dolphins defense, and just in general, the, the effectiveness of the Dolphins defense, uh, you know, Lions, um, excuse me, um, Cowboys Dolphins under was one of my favorite plays last week. Uh, and like, what did it get to 20, 42? Uh, and uh, you know, I think I bet into under 51 there. Um, I, I don't even know if 42 felt right. <laughs> like that was, it was just a really, really good close fought game. There was some really long field goals. Uh, Dolphins kicker was banging in 50 yarders. Like, uh, he, you know, like he, he, like they were, you know, extra point attempts. Um, and ultimately I think, I don't think I really have high conviction that either of these teams are all that good. Uh, I think both their defenses are good enough uh, and well coached enough and and good enough health at this point in the season to uh, really limit this and to make this, uh, you know, kind of a around the margins field goals and kind of turnovers type of game. And I think the Dolphins can be a little bit uh, safer, you know, a little bit less inclined to meltdown than the Niners last night. And uh, that could keep us under our 47 here. 
Um, I definitely don't see as many positive matchups with the Dolphins offense against the Ravens defense as I saw with the Niners when I played into that over last night. Uh, so maybe that's skewing some of my opinion here as well. Uh, I think there's some pretty straightforward ways you can scheme up against the Dolphins if you're Mike McDonald. And, uh, and so that's kind of why I'm leaning in that direction. Instead of just taking the points or the money line with the dog here, uh, do you think the Dolphins can take their show on the road and do what they did? Uh, you know, a couple of impressive home wins these last couple of weeks. Can they do it uh, against the Ravens on the road in your opinion? I think they can uh, because I still have in my mind, what was it, week one, week two last year when Tyreek and Waddle just did whatever they wanted against the Ravens secondary. I understand it's a different defense now, but still just that speed element, particularly if Kyle Hamilton isn't there, who is, I think, the best player on that defense and the most important player. Uh, and to your point about the Ravens-Niners matchup, I mean, this was talked about a fair bit how, I mean, if you were to build a defense in a lab to stop the Niners, it would be Baltimore's because compare what like exactly. what their linebackers in Queen and, and Roquan Smith can do versus what like the Eagles backup linebackers were doing against the Niners in that matchup. Uh, whereas I think that the Dolphins might have a bit more success because the one sneaky thing with the Ravens, their run defense isn't great. And McCaffrey exposed that a little bit before game script just got away from them completely. I think between most and Nachan that the Dolphins will be able to have success on the ground. And I think this Dolphins defense, look, I think what this really hinges on is, is health uh, and it's calculated guesswork at this point. But yes. if the Dolphins can get Javon Holland back, who's been their best player on defense this season uh, over the course of the whole year, that would be huge if they can get Robert Hunt back on the offensive line. All of a sudden, an offensive line which was, you know, descending into farce after the Titans game. All of a sudden, if you've got Armstead and Hans, like it's a, it's fine. It's no longer a, a material weakness. Uh, Jalen Waddle as well. I suspect he's probably not going to play, or if he does, he'll be limited. But still, I think the Dolphins have enough, and I still just don't. I just don't really believe in this Baltimore offense that much. I believe that it's an above average good unit, but I think that the Lamar uh, in terms of his passing and just their drop back game, like it just hasn't been an elite, properly elite offense in the same vein as, you know, teams like the Niners or the Dolphins or the Cowboys. So particularly with Mark Andrews now gone. So I think the Dolphins, they would be my side at plus four. Certainly, I agree with you on the under, but there is a lot swirling, more than usual, on the health front in this game between all those massive names, Hamilton, Waddle. Um, Hamilton, Waddle. Yeah. 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 If, yeah. If Hamilton is in, this is an under. If Hamilton is out, it's Miami. Yep. No, I, uh, I agree with you there. All right. We are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe if you're listening to us as a podcast. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. I'm Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you soon.